you guys doing? Let's start off with prayer. Let's jump in. God, I thank you so much uh, for this day. Thank you so much for uh, your word and how, how life-changing it is, Lord. I pray that today you, um, you help us all engage with you. God, remove me. Um, help me speak your words. I, I pray that you take this sermon wherever you want it to go, Lord, and that I'm, I'm able to just um, completely yield myself to you. Um, and I pray for everyone in here, um, including me on the stage, that today we take one more step closer to you. In your son's name, amen. There's a pastor who had a kitten who climbed up a tree in his backyard, and then the cat was afraid to come down. The pastor tried to coax the cat by offering it warm milk, uh, but the cat, the cat just would not come down. The tree was not sturdy enough to climb, so the pastor decided that if he tied a rope to his car and the other end of the rope to the tree and drove away so that the tree bent down, he could reach up and grab the cat. So that's what he did. All the while checking his progress while in the car. He then figured if he just went a little bit further, the tree would be bent sufficiently for him to reach the cat. But as he moved the car a little further forward, the rope broke, the tree went boing, and the cat sailed through the air out of sight. Now, the pastor felt terrible. He walked all over the neighborhood asking people if they'd seen a little kitten. No, nobody had seen a stray kitten. So he, said, he prayed, Lord, I just commit this kitten to your keeping and went on with his day. A few days later, he was at the grocery store and met one of his church members. He happened to look into her shopping cart and was amazed to see cat food. You see, this woman was a cat hater and everyone knew it. So he asked her, why are you buying cat food when you hate cats so much? She replied, Pastor, you won't believe this. <laughs> and then began to tell him a story of how her little girl had been begging her for a cat that she kept refusing. Then a few days before, the child had begged again. So the mom finally told the little girl, well, if God gives you a cat, I'll let you keep it. She continued the story saying, I watched my child go out into the backyard, get down on her knees to pray, and really, Pastor, if, you, if I hadn't seen it with my own eyes, a kitten suddenly comes flying out of the clear blue sky and landed right in front of her. Now, it would be nice if prayer always worked that way. Um, I would like to welcome you to Bay Hills. It is my honor and pleasure to say that my name is Terrence, and I am the pastor of outreach and evangelism here at Bay Hills. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, we're starting a sermon series that's going along with our 21 days of prayer that we started uh, on, on January 1st. And today we're going we're gonna to talk about prayer, but I want to make sure we're all on the same page. When I talk about prayer, this is the basic definition of it. It's us talking to God. It's us talking to God. Now, truth be known, for some of us, we're on this side of prayer where we believe that prayer works that God listens, that God answers. But for a lot of us, we're over here where we're like, yeah, I've heard about this prayer thing. I've tried this prayer thing, and it didn't work for me. You see, I, I prayed for my marriage years ago. I prayed for, for things to get better because they were extremely rocky. And I prayed, and not only did things not get better, but the marriage ended, and now I've had to move on with my life. For some of us, we, we prayed for that person that we loved who was sick, and we prayed for them to be healed. We prayed believing that God was going to do something amazing. 
And instead of us now attending their birthday parties, we had to go to their funeral. See, for a lot of us, we say, you know what? I've, I've tried this whole prayer thing. I'm, I'm not sure if it works. I've prayed this whole prayer thing, and after the fact, I was left with questions like, where is God in the middle of this? Why in the world is he not listening? Why in the world is he not ask, answering me? You see, we've tried the prayer thing, and it hasn't worked for a lot of us. Now, I want to tell you, I completely validate your feelings. I really do. But I want us all to take a step back. I want us all to look at this thing from a different perspective. And I want us to realize that even when we begin the whole prayer process, what we pray for and actually even how we pray kind of shows us what we think about prayer and in turn what we think about God. For instance, if you are someone who doesn't pray, there's a good chance that you really don't believe in God or believe that God is in the job of answering prayers. If you pray these very general prayers, you know, God bless me, heal with me, uh, heal me, God be with me, God watch over me. If you're saying that, there's a possibility that in your mind you actually believe that God exists to serve you instead of us existing to serve God. I've been in, I, I'm telling you, I've talked to so many people and they, they are like, you know what, I have this huge problem going on in life and I've tried to do this and I've tried to do that and I've tried to make the decisions and I've talked to people, I've done all of this and I guess at this point, all we have left to do now is just pray. If prayer is a last resort, you have things backwards. Prayer should be your first resort. You should be entering in these situations and saying, God, I am partnering with you. I, I want to do what I can do in the middle of the situation, but God, I know even right now I need your help to do what I cannot do. Prayer should not be a last resort. You see, there's some mistakes that we make. The first mistake is that our prayers are too small. Our prayers are way, way, way too small. And the next thing is that our prayers are too general. You know, I, I often wonder if God gets a little frustrated with us because of our lack of faith. Every night, I have, you're going to hear a lot about my kids. I, I'm glad I have kids. Be, I'm glad I have kids because, you know, they're great and I love them and all that, you know, yada, yada. But from a preaching standpoint, the things these kids do are fantastic illustrations for, for preaching. Fantastic illustrations, right? And so I realized last night that something that I do with my kids fits perfectly in this, this sermon today. Every night, I put my kids to bed, and I pray the same prayer. I said, God, please watch over my kids. Help them have good dreams. God, I pray that you bless my kids. I pray that you bless me. In Jesus' name, amen. Every night, we pray this prayer. And I realized something last night. I'm praying for God to bless us as a family without looking at the fact that God has already blessed us as a family. As I'm leaving my kid's room, I am tripping over and stepping over clothes and shoes and toys that these kids have not thought about in months. I leave their room and I walk out to my living room and I sit down and I turn on a flat screen TV. This morning, I did not walk here. I took one of our two cars to get here. And when we're praying, God bless me, he's saying, all right, done. I already have. Do you understand where you live? 
in comparison not only to the world, but in comparison to other people in this area. Do you understand how blessed you already are? And that's what you're asking me to do is bless you? You're asking me to be with you, give us traveling mercy, be with me. I'm there. I'm already here. I've already said I am closer than a brother. I will never leave nor forsake you. Why don't you ask me for something big? Why don't you ask me for something that when I come through and show up only the way I can, everyone in your life knows that this was God. It was no one else but God. Why don't you ask me for something when I get a chance to show off, to show my power, to show who I am as God? Why don't you do that instead of just simply asking for these very small, these very general prayers? This one's for free, all right? Because this one isn't in your notes. But I want you to understand this and think about this for a second. Your general prayers are not moving God towards specific actions. I'm going to say this again. Your general prayers, your God bless me, your God help me, your God, your, your God direct me, your God be, be with me, those general small prayers are not leading God towards specific actions that he needs to do in your life. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to start looking at a story where, where this guy prayed these really big, this really big, really specific prayer, and God came through in a way that only God can. And I'm telling you, if you're able to engage with me for the next 28 minutes and 26 seconds, it's a timer right there, you can walk out of this room changed. You can walk out of this room and your prayer life will be changed. The way that you talk to God will be changed. The way you think about God will be changed. I'm asking you to engage. We're going to be flipping between James and 1 Kings, but 1 Kings is the main passage. It's uh, on two, page 284 in your Bible, 1 Kings chapter 18. And we're going to dive into this, pa- this uh, passage and talk about this guy named Elijah. And Elijah got prayer. He understood it. Elijah prayed some amazingly huge prayers with boldness, with confidence, I've got to tell you that this passage that we're going to look at today impacted me so much in the last few weeks that I began to read everything before it and everything after it to figure out exactly what it means to be a person of prayer. Let's jump into James 5, James 5 first. It says, Elijah was a man just like us. I want to stop and park for half a second. A lot of times for me, when I read these stories about these people in the Bible who did these amazing things, I build them up to be superheroes. And what I forget is that these were normal people, just like us, who yielded to God and allowed him to use them for his glory, to make him famous. Elijah was just a normal person, just like us. But this is what he did. He prayed earnestly. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Elijah prayed with boldness and conviction that something would happen. So let's, let's look a little bit at what's going on with Elijah. Elijah was living in Israel during the time of King Ahab and Jezebel. And when you hear the name Jezebel, you immediately have something that comes to mind about who she is and who she was about, what she was about. These were evil people evil people, and they were taking God's people, God's country, God's kingdom, in a way that it should not have been going. And God talks to Elijah, and he goes, hey, I want you to go into them, and I need you to tell them that they need to repent. 
They need to change their ways. They need to turn from what they're doing and they need to follow me and bring my people with them. And so he goes in there and he tells them and they say, no. They say, no, we're not going to do it. And Elijah says, okay, since that was your decision, this is what God's going to do for the next three and a half years. It's not going to rain. There was this dryness that fell over the land for three and a half years. And then one day, Elijah wakes up and he goes, you know what? Okay, God, I'm sensing it's time. I think it's time for the rain to start again. And this is what we read in 1 Kings 18. Starting in verse 42, it says, Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel. He bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servants. And he went up and he looked. There's nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, go back. And the seventh time, the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. We're going to come back to this, but I, I've got to tell you that in our prayer lives, a lot of times we struggle with consistency. It's tough to be consistent with our prayers. And it's tough to be authentic with our prayers. But we're going to look at four steps today that if you want to pray in a way that is effective, if you want to pray in a way that is going to not only get God's attention, but it's also going to change you, you've got to do these steps. The first thing is you've got to be humble. Step number one, you have to be humble. It says, Elijah bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. For a lot of us, humility is really hard. And God likes to teach us how to be humble in times that maybe we're not ready to learn it. So this morning, I've got to give you, I, this morning I'm on my way here. And I'm thinking, okay, I, I need a pick-me-up. I need some Starbucks. This is why I'm wired right now. I need some Starbucks. And so I'm driving up to Starbucks, and I see on the menu that it's red. The red cups are still here. All the Christmas stuff is still here. So I'm like, yes, I'm going to get a salted caramel mocha. That's what I'm going to get. And I'm, now I'm going to be able to be hyper and preach well, and this is going to be fantastic, right? Now, the other thing I was doing at the time, I'm sorry, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to admit this. So I have a, a car holder for my phone, and I had my phone there, and I had my notes for this morning open, and I'm going through them. Now, stationary when I'm looking at my notes, but they're open there. So I get to the, the drive-through speaker thing, and I'm not even paying attention to them. I know what I want. I'm studying for this morning, and I hear a, and I go, um, I'll have a uh, venti uh, salted caramel mocha. I'll have a venti salted caramel mocha. It's like the peanuts, mom. I'm like, what's going on, right? Like, I'll have a salted caramel mocha. What is going on with this woman, right? And so I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to drive around, and I'm going to stick my head in the window, through my window, through their window, and yell, Vinti salted caramel mocha, so someone can understand what I want. So I speed around. I get to the drive through window. I turn my head to put my head out of my window, into their window, and boom, my forehead hits my window. Now, I've learned two things at that point. Number one, got to pay attention to what you're doing, all right? Number two, sometimes it hurts to be humbled. So let me ask you something. Are you too prideful? 
when you go to God in prayer, are you expecting him to do exactly what you want? Because when I, when I look at some of our prayer lives and I look at where we are right now, there are times in the past where we prayed for something and we wanted God to do exactly what we asked for and he didn't. And now we're thinking about God. He doesn't know what in the world he's doing. Are you humble? When you approach God in prayer, are you humble? Are you approaching God with your demands? Or are you approaching God with your requests? When you go to God, are you, are you praying requests? Or are you praying demands? This is what James says. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. I should say lift there. He will lift you up. The thing I like about the story with Elijah is Elijah knew what he wanted, and he went to where God was, and he fell down, and he humbled himself, physically humbled himself, showing what was going on spiritually. You know, for some of us, we, we don't know what, why God is not answering our prayers or why God, why God is not working through our prayers the way that we want him to, and this is the reason. You're way too prideful. You want God to work? You want God to answer? Sit down. Be humble. Number two, be specific. Be specific. It says, go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And when he went up and looked, there's nothing there. Now, so many times in my life, I I pray these wishy-washy prayers that God be with us are very general things, but Elijah was very specific. God, we need rain. We need it now. And so he prays and sends a person to go find because he knows that a specific prayer will move God towards a specific action. So I got to tell you right now, for some of us, we're praying these general prayers and they're not specific enough. You're praying, you need a job, so you're saying, God, give me a job. But instead of saying, God, give me a job, maybe you should say, God, give me a career that's fulfilling. Give me something that, that, that fits my giftings, fits my passions, something that's going to help us as a family to be able to sur- survive financially. Why don't you, God, can you give me that? For some of us right now, we're saying, you know what, God, I, I want you to, to help my kids. God, please help my kids. And look, we know your kids need a lot of help. We know that, right? But instead of just saying, God, help my kids, say, God, why don't you help my kids love you? And be people who follow you. And not only be people who come to church and punch a ticket every once in a while, but to be Christ followers. Help them in a world that tries to strip them of all of their morals for them to hold tight to the things that they value and the things that they they know to be true. For some of us, we're praying for a spouse. Now, single women, listen to me, please. Do not pray that God just gives you a guy. Don't do that, all right? Be specific and say, God, I want you to give me someone, give me a man who loves you more than he could ever love me. God, give me someone who, who is able to, you know, if, if we have a family or if this guy is entering into a, a mom and kids, to be able to love us as a family and, and help lead us in a way that's glorifying to God. Pray for a guy who has a job and doesn't live at home with his mom and wears deodorant and stuff like that. Get specific, man. Come on. You don't want God to just give you anybody. Be specific about what it is that you want. Here's the thing. Do you and God know exactly what it is you need? 
Do you and God know exactly what it is you need? When it comes to your spouse, it comes to your marriage, when it comes to your kids, do you guys know exactly what it is that you need? Or are you just praying? Doug Coe had a ministry in Washington, D.C., and he became acquainted with a guy by the name of Bob, who was an insurance salesman. Now, Bob became a Christian and began to meet with Doug weekly to learn about his faith. One day, Bob came in all excited about a statement he had read in the Bible where Jesus says, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. Bob asked if it was really true. Well, Doug said, it's not a blank check, but yes, it really is true. God does answer prayer. Well, great, said Bob. I got to start praying for something. I think I'll pray for Africa. Well, that's, that's a broad target. Why don't you narrow it down to a country, Doug said. All right, I'll pray for Kenya. Do you know anyone in Kenya? No. Have you ever been to Kenya? No. Bob just wanted to pray for Kenya. Well, Doug made an unusual agreement. He challenged Bob to pray every day for six months for Kenya. If Bob would do that and nothing extraordinary happened, Doug would pay Bob $500. But if something extraordinary happened, Bob would pay Doug $500. And if Bob did not pray every day, then the whole bet was called off. Just to be certain, uh, we're not doing this here at Bay Hills. Don't get any ideas, okay? <laughs> Bob began to pray for a while, and nothing happened. Then one night, Bob was at a dinner in Washington. People around the table explained what they did for a living. And one woman said she helped run an orphanage in Kenya. It was the largest of its kind. Now, Bob could not keep quiet and relentlessly pounded the lady with question after question. You have such an interest in my country, have you ever been to Kenya? No. Do you know anyone in Kenya? No. Then how do you happen to be so curious? Well, someone's paying me $500 to pray. <laughs> she asked if Bob would like to go to Kenya, and Bob was so eager he probably would have left that night. When Bob arrived in Kenya, he was appalled at the poverty and the lack of health care. When he returned to Washington, he began to write pharmaceutical companies and asked them to donate supplies. This orphanage eventually received over $1 million worth of medical supplies. The lady invited Bob back over for a big party. So Bob once again got on a plane to Kenya. While he was there, the president of Kenya was there and offered to take Bob on a tour of Nairobi, the capital city. Bob saw a building on the tour and inquired about it to discover that it was a prison for political prisoners. That's a bad idea. You should probably let them go. They finished the tour and Bob flew back home. Sometime later, Bob got a call from the U.S. State Department. Is this Bob? Yes. Did you recently take a trip to Kenya? Yes. Did you make any statements to the president about political prisoners? Yes. What did you say? I said he should let them out. The State Department official explained the department had been working for years to get the release of these prisoners to no avail. Normal diplomatic channels and political maneuverings had led to a dead end, but now the prisoners had been released, and the State Department was told it had been largely because of a guy named Bob. <laughs> they were calling to say thank you. Several months later, the president of Kenya made a phone call to Bob. He was going to rearrange his government and select a new cabinet. And he wanted to know if Bob would fly back over to Kenya and pray for him. 
for three days while he worked on his important task. So Bob, who was not politically connected at all, boarded a plane once more and flew back to Kenya, where he prayed and asked God to give wisdom for the leader of a nation as he selected his government officials. All of this happened because one person prayed. Let me ask you, do you really know what you're praying for? Are you praying for God to do something? Or do you know exactly what it is that God needs to do in your life? What is it exactly that you need from God? This is what James says. You don't have because you don't ask. Get specific. Pray for God to open your eyes to things. Pray for God to put you in situations where you really begin to see him work. You begin to get direction. And say, God, look, I, I need you, but I, help, I need you to help me even dig a little bit deeper and find out exactly what it is that I need from you in this situation. Number three, be persistent. Be persistent. First King says, go and look towards the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and he looked. There is nothing there, he said. Seven times, Elijah said, go back. You see, he doesn't get caught up in this whole prayer doesn't work thing. He's laser focused on a specific prayer. God, we need rain. And we need it now. And this is what I love about him. Elijah doesn't let outside circumstances, he doesn't even let, how annoyed does a servant have to be? To be sent to climb higher up a mountain and go look out to see nothing. But it wasn't the first time the second time, the third time, the fourth time, the fifth time, or the sixth time that Elijah saw the miracle. It was the seventh time. He continued to pray. And I don't know, for us, we are so persistent in so many areas of our life, except for when it comes to our prayer life. We pray once, and we stop, and we bail because we didn't get the answer. But we are so persistent in so many other areas of our life. My, my eight-year-old and my six-year-old boys, they... Um, I know exactly what they didn't get for Christmas that they wanted. They wanted an iPhone Pro 11 Max hyperdrive, something. I don't know. I turned 40 in less than a week, so I'm getting to the point where I don't know technology anymore. And so that's what they wanted. They wanted that phone, that iPhone 11 Pro Max dealy thing with AirPods. And the reason why I know that that's what they wanted for Christmas and didn't get it is because between Christmas and now, I've heard it 4,000 times that that's what they want. Now, spoiler alert, not going to happen. I might get it, but they're not going to get it, all right? But it makes me wonder, why is it that my kids can be so persistent about what they need from their earthly father, but I can't be persistent about what I need from my heavenly father? Why can't I go, God, Dad, this is what's going on in life right now. And I'm praying today for this. And tomorrow, I'm praying again for it. And the day after that, I'm praying again for it. And keep pushing, keep praying, keep pushing, keep praying, because these are things that matter. Those things that are keeping you up at night that you're spending your time worrying about, how often do you go to the Lord in prayer over those things? Are you sitting there stewing? Are you taking your issues to a God who loves you and saying, God, this is what I need. Here's the question. 
have you stopped praying about the big things? I'm not saying, have you stopped praying for your meal? I'm saying, have you, st- have you stopped praying about the 49ers possibly winning next weekend? Hope not. But have you stopped praying about the big things, the things in your life that really need your attention? I want you to think about this for a minute. When is the last time that you truly prayed for your marriage? Here's another way to say it. How, when's the last time you really truly paid for your spouse? God, I, I, know, I know that he has this going on at work and he's stressed out. God, I pray that you give him peace that surpasses all understanding right now, Lord. When's the last time you prayed for your kids? They're rebelling and they're going in a, a direction. When's the last time that you stopped and instead of getting angry, instead of getting frustrated, instead of crying over what's going on, you took it to the Lord in prayer and said, God, look, I'm praying and I'm pushing forward with this until something happens. When is the last time that you did that? So last thing, be confident in God's plan. Be confident in God's plan. It says the seventh time, the servant reported a cloud as small as a man's hand is rushing from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. It wasn't the first time, second time, third time, fourth time, fifth time, or sixth time. It is when he prayed seven times when he kept praying and praying and praying, believing and praying, believing and praying, believing and praying. He saw the miracle. Let me ask you this question. Are you hoping or are you believing? Are you hoping or are you believing? Are you believing and trusting in God and his power? Are you believing in his plan? Are you believing even when what you see doesn't make sense? Because I've got to tell you that if you're praying these prayers and what you're hoping for and what you're thinking doesn't, what's going to happen doesn't match up what happens and it rocks you and you fail, I've got to tell you that at some point you stop believing in God taking care of your plan and you start believing in God taking care of your agenda. Even before I see the miracle, God, I'm praying and I'm believing. I'm going to have the band come up. I'm going to end with this. When I preach, I like to make it personal. So I'm going to make it really personal right now. Probably tears, snot. Sorry, you guys are in the splash zone. For about five years now, um, I've had this, this calling from God. I felt like God was saying, Terrence, I want you to be involved in um, full-time ministry. And I remember him saying that to me about five years ago, and I said, God, give me an opportunity somewhere to do something for you. And that was it. And you know what happened? Nothing. Nothing happened. And for the next four years or so, I kind of prayed sporadically. Whenever I thought about it, I said, God, I know that you really want me involved in something full-time, so I, I pray that you give me the opportunity to be involved in something, in something somewhere. And nothing happened. About seven months ago, I'm sitting where you guys are, and Pastor Dave's up here preaching, and he, he says something that, that kind of rocks me to the core. He starts talking about um, the study that's doing. 
and, and that's been done. And there's a study of the most unchurched areas in the country, people who have never been connected to church. And on the other side of the same study, there's the most de-churched areas, people who used to go to church, who used to be connected to the body of Christ and have walked away, have stepped away, have become disconnected from it. And for the first time ever in the history of this study, the same area of the United States has the highest percentage of people who are unchurched and de-churched, and that area is the San Francisco Bay Area. And when he said that, it hit me because he's talking about people I know and love. He's talking about friends that I have who've never been connected. He's talking about people that I've grown up in church with. We used to go to summer camp together. Used to hang out. We've kind of bailed on this whole church thing, this whole God thing. And I prayed a prayer right then, and I said, God, I know you want to do something in this area. I just pray that you make me be part of it. And what happened was nothing. Nothing. And I prayed it that one Sunday, and I kind of thought about it every once in a while, but nothing really happened. About four months ago, God reminded me, or a better way for me to say it is, God, um, I remembered what God said to me five years ago. Like, you, you need to be involved in full-time ministry. And I prayed a prayer that was scary, that was dangerous. And I said, God, I'm scared. I don't know what all this means. But I know that this area, the San Francisco Bay Area, needs you so desperately. So God, I don't, I don't care where it is. I don't care what it is specifically you have me do. But God, I pray that you put me in a position you open doors that need to be opened and close doors that need to be closed. You put me in a position to be able to be part of a ministry where I can be part of the ministry, my wife can be part of the ministry, my kids can be part of the ministry that tries to redeem an area of the country that needs you so desperately. And I prayed that prayer every day for three months with me and about five of my friends every single day day. About a month ago, one night as I'm trying to herd my gaggle of children to get them ready for bed, Pastor Dave is sitting at my kitchen table and he lays out this idea of me coming on as a pastor of outreach and evangelism. And I wasn't convinced at that point. We start, I start talking, I enter into this, this, um, interview process, and I'm still kind of apprehensive even through that, but I was convinced one night at Target. Now, my kids and I, just the four of us are at Target. It's right before Christmas time, like maybe a week before actual Christmas, and we're there, and it's packed, and it's crazy, and we've gotten the gifts for mom that mom can't see yet, and we're standing in the line, we're standing in the checkout line, and there's a lady in front of us who, um, you know, me being me, I strike up a conversation. She had just given birth about three weeks prior. This was her first time not physically being with the baby. The baby's at home with dad, and she's, she's buying formula and milk and things of that nature, and she's paying with a WIC card. She puts it in, 
and the cashier says, hey, I'm sorry, this is about $19 more than what you have available on the card. And so she's looking and she's trying to figure out what, what do I put back, what do I need, what do I not need? And I reach in my wallet, I take out my card, and I said, ma'am, here, just Merry Christmas. Put it in and pay for her. Now she's crying. The checker's crying. <laughs> and my eight-year-old son, God bless this kid. Be praying for him. My eight-year-old son says almost at the top of his voice, Dad, why are you wasting our money on them? Right? Now. So now I turn, and now the tears have stopped. And they're figuring out, they're like, what are you going to do about this, right? And so I look at him, and I say, number one, it's not our money, it's my money. You have put nothing towards this, all right? Don't get that confused. Don't get it twisted. It's my money. Number two, whenever you have more than enough, you always help someone who doesn't have enough. And I, I kind of... <laughs> murmured something to him under my breath, and I said, man, you really need to start helping people less fortunate than you. And when I said that, it hit me like a ton of bricks. God, put me in a position in the San Francisco Bay Area where we can help people who so desperately need help. Spiritually, yes. Physically, yes. Help it be something that my wife can be involved in, and my kids. And it hit me so hard at that point that God was showing off. Not only did he put me in a position to be able to do that, but he did it at the church that I love so dearly. I've got to tell you, prayer works. It works. It works. And even if you're in a position right now where you don't feel like it works, it works. So keep praying. Let's put the final slide up there. Keep praying. You need to be humble. For some of us, our pride is getting in the, in the way of our prayer life, and we're just walking in and barging into God's presence and saying, God, you know what? This is what I want. Let me know when it's ready for me. And he's saying, you know what? Humble yourself. Your humility will precede my miraculous in your life. Humble yourself. Number two, be specific. Make sure that you and God know exactly what it is that you need exactly what it is that you need him to do in your life. Be persistent and pray and pray and pray. One of the things I love about these prayer trees in the back is that we are putting ourselves in a position to say, this is what I need, and I'm locking arms with other people to pray for it as well. Keep praying and keep praying and keep praying, and then when you're done praying, pray again, and keep praying and keep praying and pray until something happens. And number four, regardless of what happens, Regardless of what the outcome is, regardless of what's happening even in the moment, be confident in God's good and perfect plan for your life. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for the truth of your word. I thank you so much for the fact that you are a God that hears. You are not distant. You are closer than a brother, Lord. So I pray that we bring our request to you in prayer. I pray that we, we pray believing in you and what you can do and what only you can do, Lord. God, I thank you, I praise you, and I pray that every single person in this room is able to take one step closer to you today through prayer. In your son's name, amen.